San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right. Good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you live from KFMB Studios in beautiful Kearney Mesa with 50,000 watts of power heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you go to uh, iTunes, you can hear us on, uh, if you search the title of the show, It's Your Money and Your Life. Also, we stream live on 760 KFMB, and all these podcasts are commercial-free on iymoney.com. And now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire. He's an accomplished marathon runner. He's a best-selling author. He's a lecturer. He's a philanthropist. A philander, a philanthropist, <laughs> and uh, all-around good guy, and a family office expert advising several high net worth families. Uh, Richard, how are you tonight? Boy, that was quite an introduction. I was say, Joe, I'm good, man. My, my producer just told me I was hot. So. The mics are hot. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Actually, we're a little hot. It's been a little warm lately. Just a bit warm out there. This, you've been running in this humidity? Has it been a little I, I, tougher? Went, I went out really early this morning. Hmm. Because it was, I just knew it was going to be really hot. Any races? Oh, you did that Pride Run? How I was did, I that? I did the Gay Pride 5K. It was really cool. Mary got a second place. She came in second in her age group. Oh my gosh! And I missed second in my age group by seven seconds. Did you get soaked in the rain? Because pretty- no, you know we missed the rain. I mean, it Good was so you. humid. All you had to yeah. do was get out of the car and you were sweating. Well, I know it, it rained pretty hard Saturday but, morning. But then I guess the rain came in later in the morning. The morning and afternoon. And, and then morning after. Well, that was some storm. You're then right. They, then they had the uh, the patrons of the Prado Gala, which they were going to cancel and at the 11th hour they held that saturday night mm-hmm. and um, well, i know the over the line tournament um got, got canceled. canceled first time in first time years. ever 60 years right and first time in july that a padre game ever got rained out in san diego yeah so that's <laughs> yeah, weird was... and a big el nino coming folks so uh, we'll see what this winter we'll see we're gonna get some water i think <laughs> or some we'll rain. see <laughs> let's hope anyway pretty interesting week i got to go hear uh the ceo of illumina uh do a one-on-one uh jay flatley Yes, yeah. uh, with um, with Joe Panetta at Biocom up at their office, um, well attended, very sharp individual. And, and folks, if you don't know about Illumina, look them up because uh, they are the king of the hill when it comes to gene sequencing, and and uh, they're just doing it extremely well. They're going to hire another twelve hundred people next year, I'm told. So um, wow, we'll have to get him on the show. Can at they some point. can they clone you? Uh, I don't know, but you know, I did ask. This is because that's a scary thought. I, I asked him after that. the program. Um, I, I said, you know, now you're going to wipe out all these diseases with because uh, they're going to be able to diagnose whether you're going to get cancer from your DNA. They'll take a blood sample. I mean, this is how, how advanced we're going to live forever. So he said, once we wipe out the diseases, we'll get you to, to live a little longer. And, and then uh, I said, well, with the nanotechnology and the genome project and everything else, uh, Ray Kurzweil said we're flirting with immortality, but. Um, I said, well, how long are people going to live? He said, uh, well, he, he said, we think the person who's going to live to be 150 has already been born. Wow. Uh, that's pretty. That's amazing. <laughs> <to> think about that. <laughs> so, and 150. He, they probably won't look a day over 142. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the other cool thing that happened this week was the great screening of uh, the Wrecking Crew. And this time we got Denny Tedesco to come down. It was, a, it was more for an in-house thing at Qualcomm. But uh, very cool. Uh, thank you, Gary Jacobs, for coming. And Jerry Lynn, uh, his wife, uh, they were there. My friend, Dr. Joe Whitkin, was there who played in the original Shanana at Woodstock in 1969. Uh, they were the second to the last act. They played at 7.30 in the morning, played about 12 songs. 
and the, the 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 act that followed him was Jimi Hendrix. Believe it or not, you probably remember all this, right, Richard? <laughs> maybe I've got I've got that D, CD or DVD or really. To, yeah. Anyway, Sean, there's the upshot. Uh, Sean and I get a check for three hundred fifty dollars. Right, for I was going to say how much it didn't make anything. And uh, the upshot is it it can, it bounced. So. <laughs> <laughs> but they got some uh, good success uh, thereafter of TV and everything else. So, um, you know, whatever. And um, I guess there was a no-hitter in Chicago today in Wrigley Field. Did you know about that? Local boy, Cole it, Hamels. Yes. Ranch Bernardo High School. The good news is it was in Wrigley Field. The bad news is it was uh, not for the Cubs. So. <laughs> well, no, no, look, you no-hit the Cubs. And, of course, the rumors are he's going to be traded to the Cubs. Uh-huh. So, yeah, there's the other. Yeah, uh, that might be his last game, isn't that? Might funny? be his last game with the Phillies because the never, trade deadline's July gonna, 31. And, and and won't you know, he'll probably never throw another another no hitter again. So <laughs> that might be, is he a pretty good pitcher? Oh, Cole Hamels is one of the best pitchers in the game. Where did he Where did he uh, play here? Again, uh, Rancho Bernardo High School. He's one of the greatest pitchers ever to come out of this county. I, I mean, how about co- uh, college? Though? I don't remember if he played in college or not. Maybe he went right into. But RB High School, he was. Huh. I mean, he was like unhittable in high school. Wow, interesting. Yeah, well, I guess he was unhittable today. Yeah, Wrigley. Well, why don't we get to our esteemed guest uh, tonight? What do you say? We have in the studio with us the president of Signature Analytics, and uh, he's a great friend of the show and a sponsor, and uh, we like him a lot. His name is Jason Kruger. Jason, how are you tonight? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. You so, want to get right who, on top of that? Who's, who's watching the babies, Jason? <laughs> I left that with my wife. Okay. Came from a uh, barbecue at some... Uh, at some friend's house, and I think they're still there. Okay. <laughs> enjoying, the, enjoying the pool and, uh, and barbecue. The but, firm and family are all growing, right? That's, it. How that's many, right. How many that's right. children, two now? Or? We have two kids, yes. both under the age of three. Wow. So we have a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Quinn, and a, uh, our daughter, Evie, or Everly, turns uh, one in a couple weeks. Happy wow. birthday, Everly. Wow. Yeah. You so, can come in next year this time and be on the show, okay? That's right. That's right. Two CFOs and the, uh, you know... <laughs> <laughs> the baby. Yeah, yeah, two CFOs on the way. Exactly. There you go. But, uh, Jason, I know you've been on the show before, but just a quick thumbnail sketch on your bio, born and raised where, schooled where, and, um, you know, and how you launched into, got into Signature Analytics mm-hmm. and all that, if you want to just... Well, I'm that. almost a San Diego native. Mm-hmm. Came out here when I was real young. Uh, went to Poway High School. Went to school in Arizona, University of Arizona, Wildcats. Happened to win it for, for, you know, for those sports fans out there. Happened to win the national title when I was there in 1997. Man, that's Oh, man, that team was loaded. Yep, good <laughs> yeah. team. Yeah. Um, and then uh, came back out here after school, went the uh, public accounting route with Moss Adams and Deloitte & Touche here in San Diego, mm-hmm. and then started uh, Signature Analytics in October of 08, I believe. Fantastic. Uh, a couple of weeks after the economy fell apart. It was ah. a good time, though, in retrospect, right? Right, right. <laughs> so you reinvented yourself. Just a little bit huh? of a slow start. That's right. Well, isn't that something? I mean, that that's pretty audacious, you know, when the economy is at its worst to, to, to venture out and start your own operation. So um, how was that the first the first few months? I mean, um, Yeah, it was interesting. I, I think uh, you never really know what you're getting yourself into until you actually jump in with both feet. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. Um, I uh, pretty much quit my previous job cold turkey started this company uh, with visions of grandeur and um, took a couple years to really figure out our vision our business model did you have a couple Um, clients right off the bat though to um, to work with or did you have to find them yourself no I started with zero clients and we started from the beginning and started from the ground up and built what we could that's an entrepreneur for you huh Richard (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is we're gonna we're gonna talk more about being an entrepreneur because he's got some exciting stuff going on Absolutely, but you know, you know, just if we could go back to 08, um, I, I think 
you know, I've always sort of said that I'm a CPA, just like Jason, we're both CPAs. I've always sort of blamed my own profession for contributing to what was going on in 08, because I think back in 08, um, the accounting profession had sort of gotten fat and happy in the early 2000s in terms of clients making money and businesses going well. And there was a huge focus on just doing basic services like preparing financial statements and doing tax returns, but I don't think anybody was really paying attention to the future. And and it was a little bit scary how fast some things started happening and how things started unraveling. Well, were we talking about accuracy of numbers, Richard, or what no, are we talking just, about? No, j- just the fact that CPAs weren't focused on helping clients look at the future mm-hmm. in general. They mm-hmm. simply were not focused on helping clients look at the future. Do, I mean, I, do, do, do you think back in 08, CPAs were doing a good job of helping clients look at the future, Jason? In 08? In 08? Uh, I think the economy was was going well. Um, it was uh, it was an interesting time in the public accounting world. Um, we were just coming off of the Sarbanes Oxley right. boom, so uh, a few years earlier we were hiring like crazy just to keep right. up with the demand. Um, I will say though that uh, when I was at Deloitte, we you know I think that they did have some sort of a finger on on uh, or a pulse on what was coming down. Uh, we were getting some emails about um, uh, the overheating uh, of yeah, about about what was going on basically mm-hmm. um, re- with the real estate industry um, and the types of investments that were happening and 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 more more so from how how to account for these types of new investments that are happening right all the derivatives um, and exactly. all these things that were going on as in the capital markets. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, it all happened so quickly. I don't think you can blame the accountants. That's not what I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm just saying that it was sort of coming out of fat and happy time, and everything moved so fast. Hmm. Absolutely. So, why don't we take a little, uh, Dan? How about some music, and we'll take our little break, and we'll come right back with Jason Kruger. Well, Bonanza and Jason Kruger wow. <laughs> from Super Analytics. We'll have a little break. Take, uh, stay tuned. All right, we are back. We'll talk about farming the accounting field tonight, I guess, at the Green Acres. We're back with Jason Kruger from Signature Analytics. Richard, take it away. What do you want to talk about? That's the wrecking crew in the background. Yeah. You know, right? Tommy Desco did that one, too. He did that one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, just can't escape the wrecking crew. So, anyway, J- Jason, you opened up this firm, well, basically when the economy was in, in the tank. How'd you get your first client? Mm-hmm. Uh started establishing relationships uh i think what's what's interesting about the our company and what we provide and the services we provide from an accounting perspective is that uh, we don't compete with the other with your typical cpa or accounting firm Mm -hmm. so we don't provide audit uh audit work or tax uh, services although my background was in audit uh, on the audit side with deloitte uh, we don't provide those services so we actually complement we focus more on the uh, internal accounting uh, of our clients to support their internal accounting functions. And in a lot of ways, that complements uh, what their external auditor or their external tax advisor is trying to accomplish. So uh, a number of our referrals and our first referral came actually from Deloitte, uh, a company that was looking for some support from their internal accounting function. And so that's, you know, that's how we've focused a lot of our attention and a number of our referrals come from that area. Yeah, because uh, the demographics have changed uh, ba- back in my day. I'm older than you. Uh, tons and tons of young people graduating college would have accounting degrees and they would go into 
public accounting firms, whether that's with the big four, formerly the big eight, or local or regional firms. And some would stay in, and a lot of them who would get out would go to small and medium-sized businesses and serve in roles as controllers or or CFOs. But, but that degree, there's not as many graduates now and not as many who are staying in the accounting profession of those graduates. So so I think it sort of leaves a gap in terms of talent in the space where you play like small and medium-sized mm-hmm. companies, correct? Yeah, what we're seeing a lot of is in that small to mid-sized company uh, platform, there's not a lot of sophistication from an accounting perspective. Mm-hmm. And these companies, most companies that we're working with are really looking to take their business to the next level. Right, they're growing or planning to grow. Right, they're planning to grow. They see the value in it. They're told by a peer or by a bank or by, you know, just internally they know that... Uh, to take their business to the next level, they really need to start focusing on the financial aspects of their business, more of the strategic aspects of the business, understanding the profitability, the margins, how to grow value in the business. And um, and they, they know that they don't have that internally. And uh, there is really a lack, or, or a lack of talent in a lot of areas from an accounting perspective, especially in that market, that mm-hmm. small to mid-sized market. Um, there's only so many uh, individuals that go through that public accounting world that will then go on to uh, that build a good background. They're typically going on to larger companies. Um, so that talent level, like you mentioned, there's not a lot of as many people going into accounting as there is a need these days. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing is, is, to the extent you stay in the public accountancy world, um, sometimes you can get to a point where you're making a pretty high salary in a lot of smaller or medium-sized businesses. They're growing so fast, they don't necessarily, or they can't necessarily pay at that same level. Or to put it differently, maybe the economic rewards are going to be deferred into the future, depending on how things go. And I think that can be a challenge mm-hmm. too. So a lot more cost effective than getting a hold of Jason, right? Is that what you're saying? Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> there. Yeah. The, the good talent can be expensive, and I think that's where we, you know, where our value points are is our flexibility and the fact that we have the resources of individuals from a staff level up through CFO level to support our clients. All of our people are full time W two employees, so we're not a staffing firm where we're bringing people off the street. Um, our people work together. We see ourselves as, as an extension of our client's accounting function. And um, you know, we are able to leverage our skill sets and our cost points to make sure that the value point uh, meets the cost point. Is that a good cost point for the clients that makes sense? Mm-hmm. sense? And they're all pretty darn sharp. We had one of your, uh, Ryan here from your company last time and, and um, pretty, they're all sharp. How, how big is your team now? So we have about 30 people in San Diego. Um, <laughs> We hired our first employee about uh, three years ago, as I mentioned before. Uh, it took a couple of years with the economy and uh, a couple of years to really figure out our value props and our business model. And once we really redefined what we truly represented, we started hiring full-time individuals. So we have about 30 people in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, then subsequently, we've opened up offices in a couple of other locations, uh, geographical locations as well. As far as positioning yourselves, have you gotten involved in any uh, service organizations or are there good uh, networking groups for uh, business associations that you've um, appeared at or spoken mm-hmm. at or, or joined? Yeah, we, uh, we, we do have some sponsorships. Uh, the sponsorships and the organizations that we join are purely targeted on, uh, on organizations that we can measure mm-hmm. because obviously we're accountants. Mm-hmm. So we like to be able to measure our results. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are not big on blanket sponsorships, uh, where we're throwing a banner at a one-time event. Um, but we're, we're more focused on joining organizations or sponsoring organizations. So we are sponsors 
uh, for the Chairman's Roundtable here in San Diego. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also sponsors for Entrepreneurs Organization, or also known as EO, EO. Uh, which has mm-hmm. about 100 members in San Diego mm-hmm. um, and is really focused on uh, providing entrepreneurs a resource and a collaboration uh, peer network to be able to uh, to learn more and grow their businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we do some other various, uh, we also join some other various organizations from a member perspective as well. Hmm. But you, you, your firm has experienced, well, I would say explosive growth, has it not, recently? It has. Yeah, we've grown quite a bit. So we're, we're averaging hiring about a person a month here in San Diego. Wow. Uh, I believe our first quarter numbers uh, from this year compared to last year, I believe we grew uh, over 100%. Uh, and second quarter numbers, uh, I don't have them in front of me, but I believe we're about 150% year-over-year second quarter numbers. Um, so we've we've experienced a lot of growth. The The biggest challenge is we, we always want to maintain uh, that highest quality level of service. Mm-hmm. So making sure that we're growing at a pace that that makes sense for our business, that we're also able to obtain and maintain that, that highest quality level of service. Hiring good, talented, quality people is also uh, very challenging. So we've, we've actually hired an internal recruiter to assist with that support mm-hmm. so that we're always looking for good, talented people because we, we want to hire people that, that make sense. We don't want to hire out of desperation. Mm-hmm. It's about hiring and maintaining and ensuring that we're hiring the best people. But mm. we used to refer to you as the best local resource, but now we call you regional because uh, <laughs> you're in, in, besides San Diego, I believe it's Denver, Phoenix, Los Angeles, and Orange County, right? In Tucson. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Or is it Tucson? No, Phoenix. Oh, it is Phoenix. Phoenix, yeah. I, I went to school in yeah. Tucson. He went to oh, school, yeah. yeah. Well, it's um, on here, So too, five so. locations now. That makes you regional. Okay. Yeah. Definitely makes you regional. Uh, I believe our Phoenix office, because Tucson's only an hour away, can uh, maintain okay. some of that location. Okay. But uh, yeah, so in the uh, 2014, we spent a lot of time and energy building our back office to support these other locations. Uh, we also raised an investment fund through uh, Tide Rock Ventures, which is a private equity firm here in town. And uh, we're able to uh, leverage those assets to and capital to open up uh, offices in other geographical locations. Uh, so as a result, uh, we've opened up those four offices this year uh, with the intent to open up uh, about two to three more in 2015. Hmm. Wow. So, so you're seeing the same demand in, in other areas in the, in the west, of the West Coast as you see in San Diego? Definitely. I think uh, there's a lot of demand for what we do. I think I like to think that we're a little bit ahead of the curve mm-hmm. in the types of services that we provide. Yeah, I agree. Um, what we provide could not have been as effective and as efficient probably 10 to, or 15, even 10 years ago right. uh, with the ability to log in remotely from a cloud. A lot of everything on the cloud these days um, don't want to uh, misinterpret our services. We want to always do what's in the best interest of our clients. So if we need to be on site, we'll be on site. Uh, however, it does make things more efficient if we're not don't happen to be physically at our client's location uh, to be able to do some work from our office makes things very efficient. Um, that's why we've opened up offices in other locations because nothing beats the uh, the face to face service, um, but uh, the ability to create efficiencies through. Uh, increased technology has been has been f- fantastic. Yeah, well, ten years ago, when I spoke to groups of CPAs, which I'm still doing today, and I'm, ten years ago, I'd say, well, in ten years, every accountant on the planet's going to be in the cloud. And of course, maybe five percent of the accountants in the room ten years ago were in the cloud at most, and they all looked at me like this guy's nuts. <laughs> but but it's because of the pace of, of business, the pace of the economy, the globalization. Um, you know, I know tons. You probably do too, Jason. Businesses that literally need real-time accounting now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, and you couldn't do that before the cloud. That's right. And we need to be able to to access that accounting on a real-time basis. Mm-hmm. So if we're not physically at our clients every day, our model, uh, companies use us because they get that higher uh, level of expertise at a cost that's less than hiring full-time employees. Mm-hmm. They also get that bandwidth of uh, individuals at various levels from staff through CFO. Uh, but what that means is we're not physically at their office location every day, 40 plus hours a week. But if something does come up, we need to be able to log in uh, and identify the situation as soon as possible and be able to communicate with our clients and with their advisors, um, you know, where the company's at at all times. Hmm. Yeah, because it just moves so fast. I mean, the old joke with growing companies is, is look how fast business is growing. Why do I have no cash? Well, <laughs> right. you, you need to be able to predict that, that, right. that result, that's not, the, not, uh, not experience it after it happens. <laughs> I think that's one of the biggest challenges for business owners. And one of the biggest uh, points of confusion for business owners is that they see their financials and they say, my financials look great, but I have no cash. Exactly what you mentioned. And uh, there's a couple of answers to that. One is that the financials aren't accurate, yeah. uh, which is you know fairly common in small to mid-sized market. Uh, the other is that, they, is that their business, uh, as a result of their business activities, they aren't uh, able to produce cash flows at a rate that is uh, sufficient with the growth of their business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they need to make sure that they are able to... to cash flow forecast appropriately and um, and be able to understand what their expectations are moving forward. But to do that quickly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not, not 15 days after the end of the month. Right, Find yeah, day to day. You have to be able to, for payroll. Yeah, you have to be able to look forward. So we're always looking forward with our clients. That's a big uh, selling point and a, and a big uh, area that we really push with our clients, all of our clients, is let's make sure that we understand the cash flows of, our, of your business, um, whether or not your your cat your net income is positive or negative, let's understand the cash flows of the business. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we've got to take our little break right now. We'll come back with Jason Kruger from Signature Analytics right after news, sports, and weather. Stay tuned. We are back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is the time where we go over to Richard to thank our sponsors. Big thank you to our sponsors, certainly Signature Analytics, and Jason Kruger, who is, of course, our guest here. UBS, Michael Carancha, Drew Freitas, that would be the award-winning UBS. Couldn't do it without them. Our other favorite CPAs on the planet, a more traditional CPA from Polito Epic CPAs up in lovely San Marcos, California. Carl Sheeler in Berkeley Research Group. Carl knows all about trying to reduce the risks that are inherent in businesses and thus drive up the value multiples and increase the values of, of those companies. And if you want to save all that money you're making, if you want to do some great asset protection and estate planning, Brenda Geiger, the law office of Brenda Geiger. Brenda's got a great new book out. It's got a long title, but it's well worth reading. Estate Planning Secrets of the Affluent, Protecting Your Family and Preserving Your Wealth. She co-authored that with David Fries. They're going to be upcoming guests on our show, I think, in about two weeks. Great new book from Brenda Geiger. Lane Elliott, California Republic Bank, a very nice niche market bank that serves wealthy families and successful families and family offices, many in the private equity or real estate spaces. Our, our favorite employee benefits firm, Hub, <coughs> excuse me, Hub International, maybe still known as Mars Maddox. Great employee benefits firm. And the Supreme Court has made sure they're going to stay real, real busy with that 6-3 vote a few weeks ago. Love Hub International. I think, in fact, I think Neil Staley's coming up as a guest on the show here in about a month, too. September, I think. I think it's September. You're right. Mm-hmm. 
The LG Experience and the Lombardi Group helping wealth advisors make heroes of CPAs to the CPAs' very best clients. EndFinancialAbuse.org and Paul Hines with Hearthstone Private Wealth Management. Again, EndFinancialAbuse.org focuses on the very so important issue of preventing elder abuse, financial and otherwise. And last but not least, yes, we are bringing professional women's tennis back to San Diego during Thanksgiving week. I don't have enough to do with my Oceanside Turkey Trot 10th anniversary with 12,000 runners and 18,000 people. So we're adding that. Check out cldclassic.com, Carlsbad Classic, cldclassic.com. It is going to be a lot of fun at Park Hyatt Aviara up in Carlsbad. And I don't think I missed anybody there, did I, Joe? I don't think Good. so. Good. But if people want to find out how to get a hold of them, they, they just need to go to our website, iymoney.com. There's a sponsor tab across the top of the page. Put your cursor on that. There's a drop-down menu. You can click on any one or all of them. Their uh, information is right there, uh, phone numbers, emails, and bios, and everything else you need to know. And they've all been working with Richard for many, many years with great success, correct? That's the case. And <laughs> I did forget one. I No, I forgot Joel Gruskin with Cost Segregation Initiative. Oh, you did? I don't. Yeah, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. And that's only mm -hmm. because I probably talked to him every day of the week last week, so <laughs> I've gotten tired of him. <laughs> but I talk to him every day of the week because they do such great work and save people so much money. Well, Sorry, did, Joel. How did you ever meet uh, Jason Kruger, our guest tonight with Signature Analytics? I, was, I never asked you know, that question. I can't question. remember. Did who introduced this, go Jason? To Star I'll San think Diego? of it. Star no, I'm not even sure either. It's, was it Star? Somebody it's been a few years. It's yeah. been quite a while. I'll, I'll think of it. Yeah, it might okay. have been uh, Jack Kelly's group. It, I think it was Jack Kelly's San Diego Business Alliance. Hmm. Yep. Jack used to be the head of alumni relations at University of San Diego, my alma mater. Hmm. And pulled together a nice little business group a number of years ago. And I think Jason was fairly fresh out of his... Big four days, and I believe that's where we met. Are they still in operation, his group? Or are they more? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Going strong. All right. Even though I've been missing meetings. Well, you can't make they don't them need all. Me. <laughs> you can't make them all, Richard. You've got plenty of your own meetings to go I to. <laughs> I do. So, Jason, uh, we were talking about the cloud. That's certainly been a game changer, in your opinion, then, right? Uh, definitely has. I think it provides, uh, well, there's a, couple, there's a couple reasons behind that. One, I think it provides efficiencies for what we do. Um, it provides... Uh, smaller, mid-sized businesses with uh, a lower-cost uh, alternative as well. Um, companies don't have to buy their own server anymore. Mm -hmm. Don't have to store things on a server. That's huge. Um, they can now pay a monthly fee to store things on the cloud. So, from a cost perspective, an efficiency perspective, um, it's been huge. And and it's faster. It is faster and pretty secure. I would take it. it's just pretty much. Oh, the, the cloud is so much mm -hmm. more secure than the old-fashioned way of pretty much your information just going between you and them and the client, right, and nowhere else, mm -hmm. right? That's right. Okay. You ever you ever been to one of the um the um service companies that are in the you know that I mean, it's it, it's amazing. You can't even get in there without like eighteen background checks, and if a little <laughs> whiff of smoke comes up, the whole thing shuts down. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's incredible the security. Yeah, and I think even even now, I think we're in the infancy. I think there's so many services. There's so many uh, companies. The software as a service is a huge mm -hmm. marketplace these days. Uh, Cloud-based technology uh, is still in its infancy, I'm seeing, in a, lot of, in a number of different uh, industries. I think there's a number of different companies that are taking advantage of it, uh, but there's still a lot of improvements that still can be made, Not mm -hmm. uh, obviously from a security perspective, but uh, just from a, an overall technology perspective and growth, I think there's a ton of opportunity in that space. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm actually predicting the Uberization of the accounting profession in the next ten years, but we'll talk about uh -huh. that on another show. <laughs> Interesting. That's a weird concept, I know, but it's it's happening. I'm I really believe it is. So, Jason, success stories without mentioning names, obviously. 
Mm-hmm. Unless you want to. <laughs> yeah, unless, right, right, unless, right. unless, you know, they've sold. Right, I might get myself in trouble. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, we're actually working with a technology company right now that's uh, in the process of being acquired. Um, and what we were just talking about off the air is that uh, one of the, uh, in a number of cases, when the companies are being acquired, obviously there's a due diligence process surrounding the financial information of the company. Uh, in some cases, that tends to be the most challenging and painful process. But uh, fortunately, with our client, we've we've been working with them for uh, several years now. Uh, we have everything in a ro- uh, our ducks in a row. We've been uh, the the long term or the short term goals of this company all along have been to be acquired. So we've been prepared for that. Uh, we're able to provide the the buyer or the acquirer with the information that they're looking for uh, to ensure that uh, they're able to to perform their due diligence. And uh, I think what it does uh, uh, in the short term, obviously, is makes the the company look more credible. Um, It maintains that acquisition price. Uh, The buyer cannot come in and uh, start uh, cutting down that acquisition price based on fuzzy math, I guess, that Mm -hmm. they may see. Um, And I think what's also important is companies, uh, this this is an important thing to consider if you are a company that's looking to be potentially acquired or to sell your company in the coming years is that this is a process that you want to start years ahead of time. You don't want to start a couple months before you decide you want to sell the business because there's not a lot you can do at that point. Um, So if you can start in advance, understand uh, what are the key metrics and the drivers that drive value to the business, focus on those items, those areas, and uh, and continue to grow um, and expand those areas of your business you can create the maximum level of value so that when you do sell it. Mm-hmm. You sound like Carl Sheeler, one of our sponsors. <laughs> I try my best. Well, you know, I've been looking at his web. Folks, you got to get over to signatureanalytics.com. It's a cool website. There's some really great case studies that address a lot of these needs and, and um, issues that you just raised, right, uh, mm-hmm. Jason? And uh, with a lot of the solutions that you've, you've uh, come up with as well. So. Yeah, all of our case studies in our website are real-life examples. Uh, we try to, to show a number of different industries from professional service to manufacturing. Um, to uh, companies that are looking to obtain a line of credit, mm-hmm. uh, investor relations. Um, we, we work with companies in all of those capacities. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, uh, the, the company is, is a great company, very, uh, has a great product, uh, but they just need somebody from a, with a financial backing and financial uh, perspective to be able to communicate um, that information to, um, to an outside mm-hmm. uh, advisor. I see you have some issues like lack of investor reporting, overpayment of taxes. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. these are things that people face all the time. Unknown profit margins. Um, right. They want to increase the line of credit. So all the- Yeah, the, the tax one is an interesting one because we actually don't file tax returns. We don't do taxes for our clients. But we found out on one of our clients when we took over is that uh, we started uh, looking into the accounting of our client and uh, realized that uh, they had over they had uh, double counted certain revenues, overstated revenues, and therefore uh, profits. Filed the tax return based on those profits that weren't at, weren't uh, real, and uh, actually overpaid their taxes by about one hundred twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> uh, they paid based on the belief that uh, their financials were accurate. We came in there, um, uh, cleaned things up a little bit, and uh, as a result, they were able to uh, amend their tax return and get a refund. It's actually a pretty funny story because the company is a uh, subsidiary of a, of a company uh, from another country. And uh, the CEO, I believe, from the other country said, so let me get this right. So 
so we paid uh, hundred. We paid the government one hundred twenty thousand dollars that we that uh, that we didn't have to pay, and we're sitting here uh, trying to figure out our cash position on a weekly basis because we're struggling for cash. Um, so it was it was actually a pretty funny story. Funny matter of speaking, right? Yeah. Exactly. How does that happen? How did they uh, ever? I mean, um, mix up their their uh, the revenue like that? Uh, just well, a lot uh, of cases, what we find happens is that the and it's it's not the fault of the tax advisor. The tax advisor, in a lot of cases, is involved with the company maybe a couple times a year. I mean, it's their accounting. Um, it's their internal. Yeah, the tax advisor yeah. is just taking the P and L and the balance exactly. sheet. But I'm just wondering how trip. their internal uh, internal accounting uh, filed up like that. Mm-hmm. Do we have any? idea or um yeah I, I can't i can't really speak to the okay. specifics at this okay. point but uh well, you know, there you could w- be cases where uh items should have been considered liabilities where they were booked as revenue twice uh hmm. you may have overextended your um uh, you know there, there may have essentially ba- basically double booked their revenue hmm. uh some cases where uh they have accounts receivable that's over uh s- stated um uh, overstated, mm-hmm. uh, where they booked the revenue when they recorded the receivable, but then mm. when the cash came in, they booked the revenue again, never relieved the receivable. Mm. I know I'm starting to get a little technical here from an accounting perspective, but well, okay. those are some examples of how you could well, double book but, your revenue. But you're talking about something really important. It's called internal control. Right. right. Well, let's hold that thought right there. Which we can talk about after we listen to we can. music we'll, and ads. Yes, we'll come right back <laughs> with Jason Kruger, president of Signature Analytics, right after this. Hang on. We're back with Jason Kruger, president of Signature Analytics in the home stretch here. Richard, what should we focus on in this last well, I mentioned the, quadrant? I mentioned the term internal control before we hit our break. Yes. I, I will go to my grave arguing that by outsourcing your accounting function, you are actually improving your internal controls. But Jason, could you tell our listeners what that means? Right. We actually are a uh, component of the internal control. Uh, so we've actually worked with a number of companies where they may have one or two individuals that have full control over the entire accounting and financial aspects of the business. From a small to mid-sized business perspective, that uh, correlates to uh, higher risk in somebody you know, fraudulently stealing money from your business. Or, or not um, as likely as that, or I should say more likely than that happening because that's a rare occurrence. Just to the extent they don't have certain capabilities or skills, there's nobody else there to to offer comments, help, assistance, guidance, etc. Exactly. So the risk of misstatement of the financials is huge. And, you know, when it comes to larger companies, the uh, internal controls protect more of the, uh, the, uh, the financial information mm-hmm. being accurate and correct. But uh, if you have somebody that has a certain level of skill set that's not up to par uh, with what your business needs, there's a, and you just have one person, there's a significant risk that you're not actually... Uh, obtaining or or getting the accurate financial information you need and uh, or timely Mm -hmm. and so that's something that we preach all the time is timely and accurate financials yeah if it's not timely it doesn't do any good right yeah it's six months old well exactly the world's probably changed by now right and and if it's timely not accurate that does you no good either yeah exactly that does you no good either Yeah, look how fast I got these incorrect financial statements. Right, done. right, right. Boss, okay, well, good. it's a huge risk. I mean, you I can know, make, start making decisions risk. based off of that. You can start trying to obtain a line of credit or bank financing or investor financing or relations from that, and uh, that's uh, you know that can be a game changer for your business. Well, I, I know lenders now, banks now, who say, look, if the financials aren't up to date, we, we just don't make a loan because it suggests there's some sort of problem. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's that simple now. Yeah. yeah because tough. given where technology sits, mm-hmm. there's no excuse for being behind. Right. 
And and the challenge that a lot, a lot of business owners have is that uh, again they're not uh, they're not planning in advance. Right. And uh, I can see why that's the case because they have so much else going on. Mm-hmm. They're working twenty hours a day. They they're trying to have a family life. Um, it's not a priority in a lot of cases, but. Um, I think that if they did make this a slight priority, that they'd see the returns um, quite a bit. So speaking of that, you've got a really cool success story on your website about a local brewery. And yes. I'm not going to mention the name. If you want to, go ahead. If you don't, that's okay, too. Yeah, so we actually work with a, a good brewery. I'll, you know, I mentioned uh, the Modern Times Brewery here in San Diego. Uh, they're only a few years old, but they've had a lot of success. They've grown quite a bit. Um, I think they've done things the right way. And um, they are, uh, they're, they're really establishing themselves in San Diego. I think one thing that, uh, to their credit, that I will acknowledge is that they, they truly see the value in the services that we provide. I think they're very sophisticated from understanding uh, the business perspective of the, of the brewery as well. And uh, they're making the right decisions. They've uh, built the right connections, and they're growing quite, quite rapidly. Mm-hmm. And, and they hired you guys on, like, really early in their operations, right? That's right. We've been working with them... In the first I month, think at right? least a year and a half to two years. So they they were quite quite young when we started working with them, and uh, we still have a very successful relationship with them. And it's been pretty exciting to see their growth. Uh, there's about what is it, seventy five to one hundred breweries well, in San Diego. Yeah, I mean, we're like the epicenter now. I think, right. I think it's over. I think it's about one hundred and four. Yeah. Yeah. So for them to break out of the pack like that, it's in a matter impressive. of uh, a couple of years, for them to get in the top ten percent or. T- 20% uh, from a revenue and, mm-hmm. and distribution perspective is phenomenal. Yeah, because you, 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 usually you're, you're a great brewer, some guy who likes making beer who has no business sense whatsoever. <laughs> right, that can no, be the No challenge. offense intended to anybody out there. But. Right, that can be the challenge. <laughs> and uh, I think you know, they, they want to do things the right way, and they've done that, and they've, they've been very successful at it. Well, it's the same thing with a chef at a restaurant. I mean, you could have all the, the great culinary skills, but, I mean, you need the business acumen, the marketing, uh, the, the managing people. I mean, it's... Yeah, but that, the kind of growth they've had, I mean, the, the cash flow management had to have been insane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's challenging. I think, uh, basically, the a brewery industry is, is a manufacturing industry. Right, it's manufacturing, so, yeah. So you're buying, you're, you're buying your product uh, before your cost of goods before mm-hmm. you sell it. Uh, then you have to wait, uh, based on the terms of your sale... Uh, you have to wait uh, for the cash to come in. Mm-hmm. So being able to manage the cash flows of the business is challenging because you're always having to pay out before you receive in. Uh, they've established uh, actually another you know success story of what we've been working with them on is actually we we assisted them in in obtaining uh, bank financing. So they've been able to uh, bring on less equity uh, partners, which in effect uh, is more valuable for mm-hmm. the initial uh, equity holders. Uh, but uh, they've been able to establish a good relationship with the bank and um, have been able to expand and uh, grow as a result of that as well. Yeah, and to have a great banking relationship within your first three years of business is a rare, rare achievement. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it's a, it says a lot about uh, what they're uh, trying to achieve, what they, you know, their, their sophist- level of sophistication, and then also uh, the financial information that we were able to provide the bank to to, to get them comfortable and, and to build that good relationship. But, but you must have a hyper focus on the future, right, with them? With them? Oh, yeah, definitely. So they're con- consistently looking to, to grow and, and maintain that, that good banking relationship. And, um, you know, right now, uh, obviously, uh, where as a uh, brewery in the startup phases can be a little risky for banks, uh, I think now that the bank the bank's uh, salivating over the opportunity mm-hmm. to work mm-hmm. with them even yeah. more. No question. Well, what does the ideal client for you look like, uh, uh, Jason? I mean, 
revenues one to a hundred million. Mm-hmm. Basically, I see on on the, um, what what else are you looking for? Uh, yeah, and, I think and, um, any field at all doesn't matter what field they're in. Or so I think uh, it's a, I think our website does say a one to a hundred. Mm-hmm. We we do work with companies all over the board. Mm-hmm. I think our sweet spots probably in the two to twenty million range, maybe mm-hmm. two to fifty million range from a revenue. Yeah, perspective. that's a San, that's a San Diego, uh, market which is San right Diego, there. small yeah. mid sized business market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, from an industry perspective, San Diego is very generalistic as well. So we work with all types of industries from life science and biotech to manufacturing, distribution, professional services, um, you know, all of construction all over the board. Uh, but really, I think what's important is we're really looking to work with companies that, that want to, that see the value in our, in our services and mm-hmm. are really looking to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most of our co- clients that we bring, that we start working with, even on the smaller end, are really looking to grow their business. Um, from that $1 million to $10 million mark mm-hmm. uh, from a revenue perspective. And they see the value that we can bring with them to help them get there. Mm-hmm. So we don't, work with a number, we don't work with a lot of companies that uh, maybe are, were a million dollars in revenue 20 years ago and are a million dollars in revenue today mm-hmm. um, because that's not uh, where we can really prove our value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's sort of like clipping coupons or something. Yeah. Right. So, so, Jason, you, you got five offices open. You're looking at maybe San Jose and a couple other locations. You, you're going to go national someday, or can't you disclose? <laughs> this is national, isn't it? Well, it is. I guess you know. I guess if you get down to Texas and up yeah. to the state of Washington, you're national, not regional so, anymore. Yeah. The uh, the short term plan is to uh, expand into about three to four more three off three more offices, maybe okay. in 2015. Uh, let these uh, offices mature yeah. a little bit, grow. Uh, make sure that uh, they're they're growing at a good a good good clip, providing good quality services. When you're talking about professional services, uh, you're always talking about people. It's mm-hmm. a people business, so mm-hmm. making sure we have good quality mm-hmm. people, um, and then uh, you know see how how these uh, offices mature and grow. And so far, so good. They've all been meeting the budgetary expectations, been growing very well, and um, then we'll make our decision from there. That's great. Well, the demographics of the accounting profession would suggest that you're sitting in a very good place right now. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I was actually I just happened to be uh, uh, on my uh, phone this morning, just uh, kind of punching away at random things, and I yeah. saw an article in Forbes that said the 15 most profitable industries, and uh, the number one was the accounting, tax yeah. preparation, bookkeeping, and payroll services. Yeah. So well, you're in great you shape. Go. Jason Kruger, <laughs> Signature Analytics, SignatureAnalytics.com. Get over his website if you need some financial assistance and accounting assistance. They do great work. And Richard, great seeing you this week. As always, it was fun. And Dan Noon, thanks for making us sound good, our board operator and engineer over there. And uh, thank you to Craig Blanke, our account executive, and to Dave Sniff, our programming genius here at KFMB. And next week, we will have Dr. Ralph Greenspan, neuroscientist, talking all about the brain. From I'm going to bring my brain. <laughs> I'll bring what's left of mine. <laughs> and uh, you have a great week, everybody. Stay cool out there. IYMoney.com for all these podcasts, commercial-free. Good night, and see you next time. Bye-bye now.